Hey everybody, thank you for downloading episode 110 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. This is the first of our cabin episodes, recorded live aboard the HMS Westerdam as part of Joko Cruise 2017, but not the official Night Vale panel we had last week. These are all the independent recordings Mark and I did, and we'll be sprinkling them throughout the next month or two. Uh, we are now past the maximum fund drive. We had over 22,000 new and upgrading donors to the network, and Mark and I really appreciate all the support that's been shown for We Got This specifically. Of course, since we hit that 20K goal, if you are listening to this episode, and it is before Saturday, April 8th, that means you get to vote and help determine which of our episodes from the last 52 weeks are going to be overturned. There is a survey live on the Facebook group. That is the only way to do it. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash we got this podcast. So go ahead. If you haven't done so already, let your voice be heard and help us figure out where we went wrong in the last year. But for now, enjoy this supersized episode recorded live on the Joko Cruise 2017. It's episode 110 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Coen Brothers film. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Good morning, Hal. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, listeners. I don't know if you're listening in the morning, but for us, it's morning. We are currently sitting in uh, in the Pacific Ocean. Yep. The Sea of Cortez. The Sea of Cortez, just outside of uh, Loreto, Mexico. Yes. Um, we're on the Joko Cruise. This is the third in our series of episodes recorded on the Joko Cruise. And we have a dear friend with us today. Yes, we do. Uh, the the One of the creative forces behind Welcome to Night Vale. And between the wires? Within the wires. Damn it! I knew it was within the wires. <laughs> it's all right. I don't know why I said between the wires. It's because <laughs> I am related to my maternal grandmother who always got titles wrong. It's Jeffrey Craner. <laughs> Hi, boys. Hello. Thanks for coming back to the show I'm after excited. we ruined your last experience. That's okay. You censored my last experience. <laughs> yeah. I had- it was too salacious. It'll never make... It was like bum fights. It's banned in the U.S. now. <laughs> Is that uh, what band means? Accidentally mm-hmm. taped over? Yeah. Uh-huh. So anytime I see a, a DVD that's like banned in the U.S. for years, I'm like, oh, they finally found the tape then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> somebody, somebody just taped some Hogan's Heroes yeah. over it. <laughs> they were able to re- recover it through uh, miracle technology. Yep. Did you guys ever have one of those like a VHS tape that accidentally I got yelled at at least once? We're accidentally taping over a family thing with a TV show I wanted to watch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if I ever did it accidentally. You do the thing where you, you put the piece of uh, scotch tape over the little mm-hmm. broken off tab that protects it or whatever. Right. And uh, just, just like in, a, in an emergency. tab off to make sure that no one would ever tape over this. What is this that's on there now? Night Court? Yeah. I absolutely uh, taped over like a, it was a family reunion videotape. Oh, no. and, um, and it was, I absolutely taped over it and. To make it even worse, it wasn't even to record like Twin Peaks or something. It was to record the Pro Bowl. Oh. <laughs> the most meaningless football the game on the planet. Pro Bowl. The, the upside, the upshot of it all was is that I never rewatched that Pro Bowl. 
and my my mom never asked where that tape was so just nobody was <laughs> nobody was clamoring to see either so it really didn't matter it's like a time bomb one day yeah mm-hmm. your family will want to see video of a parade of dead relatives waving at a camera yeah and they're gonna see irving fryer running for free for a touchdown <laughs> in the middle of Hawaii. Yeah. i like that videotapes are starting to deteriorate now so everyone is digitizing them um, and s- somewhere someone's going to go, oh, I don't know what happened. The tape deteriorated into a Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not here to talk about the Pro Bowl or Jeffrey's extended family at a picnic. <laughs> I thought this was the episode on best Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be a five parter. It is. We'll It'll bring be, you back for a, it. Oh, you'll get so many emails. <laughs> I know. Am I, the, they're already pouring in. Most of them are from Irving Fryer <laughs> campaigning for his. Did Remember that one-handed catch I had? Okay, great. <laughs> I was a virtuoso on the field. <laughs> it's me, Irving. Um, we're here to talk about Coen Brothers films. And this is the first uh, for our show. This is the first time the guest is also the person who suggested the topic. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. You said, I want to come back on. Because originally, we recorded uh, January of 2016 during the blizzard. Yes. Uh, during during those Night Vale shows uh, that we did in Spanish Harlem, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, we did best movie theater snack with you. Yes. And then I proceeded to, because I was using that recording device the first time, record each subsequent episode over the one previous. Uh huh. So you were, you recorded over Joseph's episode, uh-huh. and then Cecil's episode recorded over both of y'all. That's yeah. right. You and guys Cecil's are like a one. rock, paper, scissors of we got this episode. Yeah. That's right. Oh, I threw it out of Jeffrey. Sorry, a Cecil pizza Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey Cecil Joseph. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, I said, we'll have you back on. We can re-record it sometime. He said, when you have me on, let's do best Cohen Brothers film. Okay. I sort of assumed a lot of a lot of your guests are like, I have to talk about this. Let's let's. Oh, frequently it's I don't know anything about that subject. <laughs> yeah. Or I have no feelings on that topic. And then they wind up. And then we pull lots out feelings. those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the, this is a first. Yeah. Generally they look through our list and pick one, but you threw that out there. It seemed like a good topic. Mm-hmm. Even though are. you did the show wrong. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to allow it. We're going this to allow it this great, one time. Great. Just don't As- tape over this episode with audio of the Pro Bowl. <laughs> it was. <laughs> It is. It was one of the few topics besides Pro Bowl that I feel like I've seen almost every one of them. <laughs> so you've seen. We have. Uh, I have here eighteen films. Mm-hmm. That includes the HBO television uh, television movie, A Serious Man. It also and includes uh, their segment of Paris Jetem. Right. Yes. How many of these have you seen? I uh, of this list, I have seen all of these except for. And I'm sure I will be easily forgiven for this. No, I've seen all but two. I didn't have not seen Paris Jatem, okay. and I have not seen The Lady Killers. All right. I, I like I'm in a prime position to see The Lady Killers now because it's been enough years have passed that people aren't continually dumping on it. Right. That I can approach it with this thought of, like, let's see how this holds, not even holds up. Like, what would this be? Resurrects. How bad is it really? How bad yeah. it, could it really be? So what do you like about the Coen brothers so much? I've always loved their ability to kind of mesh the, the like the macabre and the dark and the scary, uh, the suspense with comedy. Like there's a real physical humor to a lot of what they do, and there's a really, uh, it's really a real sense of like creativity and wackiness. Like I remember seeing Blood Simple, and the, and the scene where uh, it's Emmett Brown, right? Is that the Emmett, Emmett Walsh? Em, Emmett Walsh, uh, M. Emmett Walsh, who's you know, reaching his hand 
around the outside of the window and she stabs down the hand. And there's something really like one, you have the, the, the relief of that moment of like the mm-hmm. protagonist. Oh, this is how she's going to win. Uh, but also the comedy of it. Like he's hilarious. Like he's so sweaty and scary and gross and it's amazing. <laughs> and so I remember sort of like having a cheer laugh moment at that. And I, I think there's, I think there's a lot of that. There's the Miller's, is it Miller's crossing scene. Like somebody firing a machine gun and then getting machine gun himself as the machine gun goes everywhere and bullets spray the <laughs> chandelier and ceiling. So there's a lot of that sort of stuff. The comedy um, of the messy moments that aren't usually filmed. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I was support- sort of surprised when I pulled the same list up this morning. Uh, I didn't realize Sam Raimi was on Hudsucker Proxy. Because I feel like that was my first big moment of recognizing the Coen Brothers as like a, an entity, like a like a auteur entity, yeah. As opposed to like, oh, there's a through line of all these movies that I like. And uh, when I saw Hudsucker Hud Sucker Proxy back in college, I remember thinking that uh, it's like this is brilliant. And the repetition of you know for kids and the the creativity of the of the creation of the hula hoop and that whole sequence, the the montage, one of the right. best montages um, I can <laughs> ever think it of is. in a film, yeah. Uh, yeah, there is something about Sam Raimi, like the Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness mm-hmm. Sam Raimi that feels a little bit Coens-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite, but that idea of like these quirky people are sort of running around doing stuff in an, in an odd situation. And also yeah. funny plus macabre. Yes. That's Sam Raimi in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny when the three of them get together, they make the Hudsucker Proxy, which is the only PG film that the Coen brothers have released. All the other is ones are really? PG-13 yeah. or R. Wow. Yeah. It's their kids movie. It is their kids movie. Yeah. It's a really good kids movie other than the fact that it's like 2 hours and 45 minutes long, but like that's <laughs> yeah. the thing that kids would not like about the movie. Including Unless the it's mezzanine that one kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh I what what strikes me about these movies and going back and watching a few of them, I will admit first of all I've not seen every single one on this mm-hmm. list, but I've seen a whole heck of a lot of them. And they're they're less stories around an incident and more slice of life. So whatever the characters are, I'll give you an example of that. Hail Caesar, I think people, a lot of people who went to see it were expecting it to be about George Clooney being kidnapped because that's how it was marketed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. George Clooney's all over the trailer. They show him being carried off. That's what you think it is. And all these different Hollywood people appear to be reacting to it. It's really not about him. It's about Josh Brolin's character. It's about a week in the life of this head of a studio or this fixer mm-hmm. who's trying to weigh whether or not the life he leads there is better than him working, I think, in oil or banking, mm-hmm. like moving to another state and just being set up for life. And it works better when you see the film through that lens rather than saying, oh, I'm disappointed because I expected a through line. Yeah. But it's the same way with Old Country for – or No Country for Old Men is that it's told from the point of view of Tommy Lee Jones's character. It's a slice of life for this uh, this cop. And then when he's not on the case anymore, okay, I'm done. Then yeah. the movie's over. <laughs> yeah. This seems like uh, not a country at all for an elderly fellow like yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, Fargo is, is a similar thing, too. Like, it's all the simple things in life, like Mar- Marge's husband making his little mallard stamps and yeah. uh, things like that. Like, all the little small things. <laughs> Even the name of the town is small. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's really... Uh, yeah, you're right. The, the slice of life is really a big thing. Which is why often yeah. their movies feel like they just end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't, there's not a, it's not a giant, huge climax. It's a guy in a chipper. Yeah. And then, which is, which in the world that they've created doesn't seem that super weird even. Yeah. yeah. Even Barton Fink is like, oh, the craziest of the slice of life films. And it's probably the most 
polarizing, mm-hmm. we'd say. People yeah. either love it or hate it. It's the most uh, hard to wrap your head around. Right. Yeah. Uh, so how do we want to attack these? Mark, you're, you're the king of criteria. Um, all right. I would say we could uh, we could just go chronologically through them. Mm-hmm. We could start at the beginning of their career, see what's changed throughout. Uh, or we could uh, throw out a few honorable mentions that we know aren't going to make it and really dig in on the ones that we think will. Yeah, you guys, uh, I, feel like I think we should try and pull out of a list of eighteen five finalists. Yeah, for what what makes the best film? I think it's a combina- I think best film is a combination of first of all, the quality of filmmaking is always there. So I think it's maybe characters, uh, performances, and the look of the film because yeah. they all have different looks. I think that does sounds that, great. Does that sound good? Yeah, and yeah. maybe and music music always factors pretty mm-hmm. heavily. And that maybe uh, weighs it more towards Inside Lewin Davis or mm-hmm. Oh Brother Where Art Thou, where right. the soundtrack is a very important the part two of musicals. the film. Yeah, the two musicals. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I think those are important factors to consider. So, that, so let's jump in with Blood Simple, which I have not seen. Downloaded it on my iPad, started it last night, fell asleep. It was late. Not because it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen Blood Simple either. Uh, I have. I think it's, it's a really excellent uh, suspense movie. Uh, it's a really great introduction into Coen Brothers, uh, filmmaking, but I also think it doesn't, it's been, I will admit and say that it's been about six years since I've seen it, but I remember rewatching it Mm -hmm. a few years ago, uh, and my wife Jillian and I were going through a rewatching Coen Brothers phase, and I, I, uh, we both came away thinking, like, you can see a lot of what makes Coen Brothers movies Coen Brothers movies, but ultimately Mm -hmm. it just feels like a very solid 80s suspense movie. (laughs) <laughs> like it feels right. like a good right. it feels like a really good crime thriller it's got some horror elements to it it's really uh it's really wonderful like super super young francis mcdormand yes. uh yeah it's a really it's a really good film but i i think it's it's hard to say like other than this just being their first film and it being a very excellent film it's hard to be like yes coen brothers really nailed it with their first one and they never got any better like <laughs> right. right yeah <laughs> it's been all downhill yeah. from blood and, symbol yeah. in, in reading a reading a lot uh, on these guys that seems to uh happen a lot in people's assessments of the coen brothers They're like well all of their first four movies are their greatest achievements <laughs> of all time <laughs> yes not and then the, all the rest of their movies are very very good um, yeah I but think- that's a terrible thing to tell a filmmaker, right? Hey, you were remember that thing you did what thirty three years ago? Yeah, that was the good one. Yes, yes. congratulations on having peaked, Mister Shyamalan. I have something I. Like <laughs> oh um, Lord! So a uh, tidbit about this, yes. because as always, Kate McManus has given us uh, some fantastic fun facts. Our researcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, for each of the movies, much like, uh, much like the band Fun, Blood Simple should have a period at the end of the title. So weird. Oh, yeah. I did not even think about that. That's how it's, um, yeah, that's how it's typed out on screen. Yep. Typed out. Yeah. Typed out. Like He's- Stephen J. Cannell wrote it on the screen <laughs> with his typewriter. Was Stephen J. Cannell the one that the, the page flew yeah. out and then we it yeah. gently settled? <laughs> That's such an affectation of like a first time artist too, to be like, no, this has a period at the end of it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my movie. It feels so pretentious, I guess. Yeah. But I love the band fun and I forgive them for it. For having like, the, uh, cause it's hilarious. It's just fun. Yeah. Fun and lowercase f and the period at yeah. the end. 
that makes more sense to me because it is funny to see the period fun fun yeah fun <laughs> yeah fun. it's a good joke um i guess blood simple i guess you're doing that same thing yeah, it's, it's blood, blood and simple, it's simple period i don't know i don't know were if they that, trying that to say re- that it yeah. is a sentence this title is a sentence because it's not a complete one. No, no, it's not a grammatically correct <laughs> right. sentence. I don't. They were going to put a period after "No Country for Old Men," but they realized they hadn't written "This is" yeah. at the beginning, so they couldn't put the period. Yeah, unless you did like a question mark after "blood" and then a period after "simple," you <laughs> could do that. Or yeah. a colon after "blood," <laughs> yeah. unless it's like one of those statements, like uh, one of those sayings, like "blood simple." Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> period. Yeah, we can get this car fixed. Blood simple. Um. Okay, three years later, mm-hmm. they release their next film, which I know was Mark's favorite. My all-time favorite. Company. Raising Arizona. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's, no, you it's a pretty perfect movie. Another th- I wish I could attribute these. We don't have the internet, but uh, about the best thing I, I saw online about this one-two punch uh, was, yeah, it was very strange for them to do this. It would be as if uh, Quentin Tarantino made... Uh, Reservoir Dogs and followed it up with Ghostbusters. <laughs> these guys that you're like, uh, like horror and suspense directors, the Coen brothers have a new film coming out, <laughs> Raising Arizona. We don't know what it's going to be about, but yeah. we're sure it'll be scary. Yeah. Yeah. You right. go from basically the modern double indemnity yes. to yeah. an ex con and an ex cop stealing a baby from a rich couple that's just had five of them. Uh-huh. Um, my, can I tell you, this is the moment that I went, oh, this is the one. This is the one for me. Uh, and this Raising Arizona was one of those early movies for me where watching it as a kid, I was like, oh, this is, this is a pretty special movie. And it was out around the same time as, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Mm-hmm. So like these sort of road through the desert with insane things happening, uh, was like, this is my new favorite genre of movie as a child. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's the moment when uh William Forsythe and John Goodman have uh misplaced the baby and just scream in each other's faces. <laughs> <laughs> just extended screaming in each other's faces. Uh, I don't know why that's making me laugh right now, just the idea of that scene. Yeah, it's tremendous. Well, and then you have you obviously have like the the uh the the diaper stealing scene, yeah. uh which is not only Notable for the you got a panty on your headline, uh, to the to the sweeping back around in the car, peeling out, opening the door, and pick, picking the pampers up off the road. Yes. Uh, also the uh, the blue dye explosion scene <laughs> is also really perfect. Everything. This is also I I feel like you have to put this movie up there in like one of their in in, in the greatest talk too because this unlike Blood Simple you start seeing all of the staples of a Coen Brothers mm-hmm. movie. It's almost like they made that first movie and they made something that I think is always going to be popular, which is this crime movie. Yeah, and then suddenly you say, okay, now hey, they just gave us a bunch of money. Now let's make a movie we really want to make, which is a movie that's incredibly funny and also uh. There's a lot of parable to it. There's a lot of metaphor. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of parable. There's a really strong political message happening mm-hmm. about the poor and the cycle of being poor and the cycle yeah. of prison and the idea of the the way high can't stay. Like when his buddies get out of prison, uh, the way he starts falling back onto his mm-hmm. old habits too of, of crime, uh, all the way up to like, but the rich have so much. Like these really wealthy yeah. family yeah. then Literally has five, five babies. babies. <laughs> you can't have one. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it starts playing with that. I sort of never liked the ending of this movie. Are we allowed to, we're, spo- we can spoiler. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right? been listening to an episode about 
It a is Coen a, Brothers movie from 1987. It is officially yeah. 30 years old. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, recording, so. The, Rosebud was the sled. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Sexual limitations just passed. That's right. On yeah. this one. Yep. Jesus is the son of God. Don't know if you got to that part, but. Darth Vader is uh, Luke's father. Uh, yeah. uh, watch out for the four horsemen. <laughs> there, is, there is this thing about, like, the end where they get there and they do return the baby. And then you have, uh, I forget the guy's name who plays Nathan, Arizona. Uh, uh, uh is it Trey Wilson? Maybe is that, so. Is that who Trey Maybe Wilson is? I didn't is? actually know his name. I don't know. I just um, see their name in the Bug the Stars. But yeah, then they, they get there and then, and then, and then, uh, Dad Arizona, uh, is like, I forgive you. I totally understand your situation or whatever. And then, you know, and they kind of go back into their lives of being normal. And then, and then, and then at the end, there's a, like the suggestion that they went on and had a bunch of kids and whatever else. And I was just thinking, it's a weird thing of like having the, the end of the movie, especially that's a parable about wealth and, mm-hmm. uh, privilege and lack of privilege and, uh, the cycle of poverty and wealth. And then at the end, the wealthy person says, oh, it's totally cool. You're yeah. totally fine. The, Go on the and have deus, a great... in the days. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels ending. a little weird to me to look back on that and think about that as the, the end of the story. One commonality that a lot of Coen brothers movies have uh, is a weak ending. And mm-hmm. I think that feeds back into the slice of life. So if we go back and, and yes, it's a statement on the cycle of poverty and the, the difference between the haves and the haves not have nots, but it's also sort of a slice of life. Uh, this dopey ex con and his wife, <laughs> This is, they've just chosen maybe the most interesting period of time in their life to show us. Yeah. So then it sort of trails off from there. So I don't, I, yeah, I, I think even the one that we may like the most is still going to have that same feeling mm-hmm. of, well, the ending was sort of, uh, it's a soft landing. Yeah. They have a lot of soft landing yeah. endings, but Nicolas Cage, young Nicolas Cage <laughs> is like the Perfect. prototypical Coen brothers actor. This is the only, I think, Coen Brothers movie that he ever did. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. But he sort of set the tone for what a Coen Brothers character is. Yeah. Which I think, if let's talk about Coen Brothers characters for a minute, just in general. Because mm-hmm. it feels to me like, what would you, are these, are these archetypes spun around? Are these just non, there's no archetype to any of these characters and they are just weird combinations of traits that the Coen Brothers put together? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. I can't think of, you you don't think of a Coen Brothers movie as having like I guess blood simple if it's you know uh lover uh cheater killer uh, yeah. like these sort of archetype things but so many of their movies are like a uh, weird guy with an air gun <laughs> right <laughs> like bull cut and air gun yeah pregnant uh pregnant policewoman right like, right a guy who licks bowling balls yeah it's yeah. just yeah. it's just bizarre interesting people i think the formula is super hyper strong point of view mm-hmm. uh yeah crazy voice mm-hmm. weird appearance yeah i mean even mm-hmm. john goodman and barton fink has a, has this definitive point of view even though he's not what he appears to be that was john Turturro, or you say john, john Go- goodman oh, john, john goodman. goodman oh well john Turturro too i swore like- that was malcolm gladwell in that movie <laughs> <laughs> But John Goodman and Barton Fink has uh, a strong point of view, uh, a little bit of a of a voice, and he looks weird because he's sweating mm-hmm. all yeah. the time yeah. <laughs> and setting fire to things and setting fire to things. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's definitely a lot of the height. Yeah, the the, the 
yeah, the hyper-realized character in, yes. in a lot of their movies. They, it's not very often that the lead character is quite as 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 big as Holly Hunter and Nick Cage are in Racing Arizona. Right, right. A lot of times it's, I think about like uh, Tim Robbins and Hudsucker Proxy or Don, John Turturro and Barton Fink where they have a, a unique hairstyle and kind of a period piece mm-hmm. outfit and, uh, and sort of a, a, a persona that kind of falls on an old Hollywood archetype of like the golly gee willikers of Tim Robbins. Right. Yes. Um, or the kind of like uh, uh, Dalton Trumbo wannabe style of, of Barton mm-hmm. Fink, you know. Yes. That, yeah. But it doesn't have to be the old characters because look at Brad Pitt in, oh, uh, yes. in like yeah, that reading. an insane haircut. <laughs> yes. uh, a very much a costume of a period. The yeah. period just happened to be that moment in time. Yes. And the costume was this is what the gym guys wear. <laughs> the gym guy with the popped collar. Yeah. <laughs> He almost has the same hair he has in Cool World, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like on purpose, right? <laughs> on purpose, knowing it's a, it's kind of jokey. Um, so I think, sure. are we going to say Raising Arizona is one of our finalists? Is it going to get a five? I definitely the think you have to elevate yeah. that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. One other character that happens a lot is, and I don't remember his name or if he even has a name in Raising Arizona, which is the biker, uh, that really gross oh, yeah. old scary biker guy. Mm-hmm. That is another great like. You want to talk like teach a class in editing and cinematic mm-hmm. tension? Yes. Baby in the road. Yes. Yeah. Really, oh, really man. awesome. But it's the, it's the kind of like lawful evil character. It's the, not even, it's like, or it's, is it chaotic neutral? I don't know what it is, but it's this character that is, it's the force of, it's the force of all batting. It's the force of fate in the mm-hmm. world, right? Right, it's right, this right. thing that can sweep in at any moment and you have no control over. Mm-hmm. And things that they deal with directly in like No Country for Old Men about fate or that they deal with co- comedically in Hudsucker Prox. Or I'm sorry, uh, Big Lebowski with the Viernialis, give us the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, we believe in nothing. Or, or <laughs> we believe in nothing. Um, but they, or even in like a serious man where it's straight up Job, the force of like evil God. Yeah. Right. Everything is just destroying him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay. Let's move forward to another movie I've not seen, but, and people, uh, my friend Craig was so shocked that he gave me the DVD, he loaned it to me to watch, and that sits mm-hmm. in a pile of DVDs that I have yet to watch. <laughs> it's Miller's Crossing, y'all. Hey, shrink wrapped at Hal's house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know this is a beloved film. Yeah. Just looking at the description of it, and the stars, so we have Gabriel Byrne, Albert Finney, and John Turturro. Tom Regan, an advisor to a Prohibition-era crime boss, tries to keep the peace between warring mobs, but gets caught in divided loyalties. Sounds like a great idea for a movie. <laughs> How'd they do, guys? <laughs> I don't know. How'd they do, Jeffrey? No, you haven't Jeffrey, how'd they do? I've, um, seen the, I've seen the iconic scene. Okay. That's yeah, the, which is, in the woods. Which is probably terrible that I'm, ba- <laughs> first of all, basing this off of one scene that I've seen. And also that oh, I should probably see the rest of the movie, but I know what happens in that scene. <laughs> um, I feel this way a lot about uh, how I feel about Blood Simple, which is I think it's a very good movie. It has a lot more than Blood Simple of, I think, like, uh, iconic moments. I mentioned the kind of like the gangster being gunned down and like bullets flying everywhere. And there's just something really funny and violent about the whole thing. Right. Um, there's some really amazing, like physically choreographed moments in, in this movie. Uh, and I, th- I remember the style and I, re- I remember it being dark and upsetting. Uh, this was kind of also back in the phase when I felt like they would go between like dark and upsetting, super funny and weird, dark and upsetting, super funny and weird. And they follow right. this pattern for quite a while. Actually. Yeah. Um, 
And it is, uh, this is one of their dark and upsetting movies. Uh, and I think it's really great. I honestly, though, for a movie I haven't seen in six years, I remember very little of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it's not a movie that sits strong with me. I'm also not a mob movie guy, a gangster movie oh, guy. I love me a mob um, movie. I do too. So, so this, this movie might, uh, unfortunately fall by the wayside because I don't know that I'll have a strong defense for putting it in our top five. Yes. Um, but these super strong Coen brothers, fans listening to this might be like, well, thanks for getting only one asshole who's ever seen this movie. Exactly. <laughs> and then he doesn't even like gangster pictures. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry for not defending it, everybody. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Too bad. Uh, look, it, I think it would be more, I think even like the deepest Coen Brothers fan would probably say, you should have talked about it more rather than it's the one that's going to win. I personally think that there are stronger films ahead I do too. I think it's, I think it's the, I think a real Coen Brothers fan will understand Miller's Crossing not moving on in the same way a Cowboys fan would understand Romo not being considered for the Hall of Fame. There you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well said. Really you know good. What he was considered for? The Pro Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> he was a lot. <laughs> he was the Irving Fryer of quarterbacks, everybody. Don't, <laughs> that, that is something that very few of our listeners will get. Not into, not into sports ball. Okay. Let's go polarizing now. Uh, Barton Fink. It's it's a really cool. It's first of all great performances, mm-hmm. top to bottom. Um, I mean, uh, uh, Michael Lerner as the studio head. Mm-hmm. He was nominated for an Oscar for this, and I think he. It's hard between him and and Turturro and Goodman who gives the best performance in the film, but I I think it's Michael Lerner. He's so good. Yeah. Just uh, how quickly he speaks and how he delivers <laughs> everything and. <laughs> How reverent he is of the writer and how quickly he'll turn on him. He kisses his feet by the pool. Yeah. Uh, all, the murder is almost secondary to me. <laughs> the entire storyline of is John Goodman the devil? Is he just a murderer? What the hell is that hotel? Right. What happens to Barton Fink at the end of the film? Um, it's good. It's, were you the one saying it's the, it's the Coen Brothers film that artists love? I didn't say that, but I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the that, one. Why do you think it is the polarizing one on the list? Because it's it's almost abstract enough to not make sense. But if you sit and enjoy it on its merits, you sort of the story kind of lays out in front of you, and it uh, it's a similar problem to No Country for Old Men, uh, where it sets up a lot of stories that you'd like to see wrapped up, or you want it, mm-hmm. it would give you satisfaction as a viewer to have them solved have the mystery solved and it just doesn't happen i can tolerate it in barton fink a lot more than i can in no country for old men um but i i wouldn't put it as a finalist uh for that for that reason it's not it's a little too abstract even for me i I enjoyed it and i went well i i get it it's almost a little too on the nose at the end yeah for me they have a few of these movies where they hit it really hard on the nose, where they're playing with imagery. Yeah. Uh, this one, I, I feel like, uh, uh, we'll get to it uh, later, is uh, Hail Caesar, which I really love as a movie, but it, it definitely like takes its imagery. It's like, pow, there it is. Yes. That. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some other movies, they have the heavy-handed imagery that I think lands more comfortably. 
than that. Yeah. Um, I've always found this movie so confounding. It's it's just I really love it. I really love mm. what's happening in it. I love everything going on. But every time I watch it, I really feel like I don't know what I just watched. So you or, immediately watch it again. Yes. Yeah, let's start it and, again. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, we, we lost Jeffrey Freeze. He's in his uh, <laughs> Fink spiral. <laughs> Joseph? No, Barton. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so that one's not coming in as a finalist. Uh, let's go. Let's go then. Another three years into the future, 1994's Hudsucker Proxy. By the way, this is uh, I've Rotten Tomato ratings for all of these films. Mm-hmm. This is the first one to fall below 90, and it does so precipitously. It is a 57 percent. So critics did not get this film or did not care for it. I think it it's definitely a departure. It doesn't have the darkness. I wonder yeah. if they were of assuming any of films. that. Because they had this pattern of bloody and horrifying, fun and quirky, bloody and horrifying, fun and quirky. Uh, and then the Hudsucker Proxy came out. They're like, great, uh, murder by hula hoop movie. Exactly. <laughs> and then there weren't enough hula hoop murders in it. <laughs> right. There isn't even one. No. no. There is a death, though. Doesn't one of the old well, board members wh- die? Yeah, wa- uh, wearing. Uh, yeah. He falls. Oh, that's right. He yeah. falls. Uh, he jumps out the window. Yeah. And he yeah. falls a certain – then they talk about how many floors it is, including the mezzanine. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, I'm, I'm surprised to see the really low tomato meter score on this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I just – and maybe it's one of those things where because I saw it in college and I've seen it a few times since that it's – you see it at a time when you're just – at that mm-hmm. time, if you love something in college, uh, when you're in your early 20s, I feel like if you love something then, yeah. you're just yeah. always going to love it. It's always going to be the best art that could have right. ever been. Yeah, right. I tried watching Half Baked and uh, recently, mm-hmm. and it's not as good as it was. Now. <laughs> no. It's a way better movie yeah. when I was 19. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I still I remember thinking Hudsucker Proxy is a l- too long for what it is. Like it, yeah. it's, it goes on, it, it drags. It has a, it has a really long, especially act. if it is the fun and like the f- more family of them. I mean, it's yeah. a yeah, it's the story of the inventor of the hula hoop. Great, yes. take your kids to it and the, for the, this full day. The yeah. fads <laughs> and crazes of the 1950s and, yeah. and early 60s. Yeah, like watching the hula hoop. Get made. I know you, uh, you enjoy that sequence, uh-huh. the manufacturing. I love watching all the kids figure out how to play with it and yeah. it become a craze yeah. around the country. It's a really good montage. And Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, her character is hilarious because she sounds like a, a young Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Which I'm <laughs> yeah. sure is what she was modeling it off of. Yeah. They're definitely doing the, uh, the, the his girl Friday sort of back and forth thing. Yeah. It's uh, really great. I, just a, a quick hula hoop story, uh, having nothing to do with the Cone brothers. But they had last night, you guys both went to the, uh, the concert on land. Mm-hmm. Yes. We, there was a concert on land in our port that we went to and they were selling light up hula hoops. Oh, uh, it was one of the things, you know, they always sell like light up things mm-hmm. and stuff. Sure. So they had these light up hula hoops and, uh, I, this young family was there and put the hula hoop on the ground around a toddler. And watching this toddler deal with the fact that they were surrounded by a ring of light and could not figure out why was one of those things where you're like, oh, this has got to be a mesmerizing and strange moment yeah. in this kid's brain. Yeah. Like, what? Have I just been put into some sort of weird <laughs> magic space prison? 
That's uh, that's incredible. Yeah, they put their baby in the prison from Superman. Yeah, yeah exactly. They did. Yeah, in there with Zod. Yeah, they gotta send that baby to the Phantom Zone. See, this shame. is how they should have ended Hutsucker Proxy. Yeah, <laughs> Tim yeah. Robbins ends up in like Hoop of Light prison. Yeah, yeah, for uh, becoming too arrogant. Yeah, but does this film rank as a finalist? No, no, no. All right, let's move on to That's it, like you look at this list, and there are great movies on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but you look at it and you go, oh, Fargo, Big Lebowski, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, uh, Raising Arizona. These are like we're about to go into a sort of iconic yeah. Cohen run. Yeah. I would argue that Fargo automatically goes to the finals, yes, and we can yeah. discuss it later. Let's when discuss we're it dis- later. When we're uh, discussing and I would, everything else. I would say that, well, I don't well, know how you guys feel about The Big Lebowski. I, uh, Yeah, I enjoy The Big Lebowski. I, I think it, yeah. you unquestionably have to put it up there. It is, yeah. it is one of the cult comedies of America. Like, if you're yeah. talking about, like, name a cult comedy in American film history, I feel like Big Lebowski gets in there very quickly. Yes. And I've it, never... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, well, to find Jeff Bridges not only as an actor in the later half of his life, yeah. mm-hmm. but it also gave us a really good idea of who he is as a person. Yes. Because if you hear him <laughs> interviewed now, he is the dude. Like, yeah. that's... They didn't have to put much on to to get him to play that character. Yeah. I yeah. saw him... Uh, I saw him play at uh, Stagecoach, which is the country version of Coachella that happens the week after. Uh, and Jeff Bridges did a full set and stood up there, just him and a guitar, and played some, uh, some crazy heart songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he was done with the crazy heart songs, it seemed like he shook off a character and then became himself <laughs> and went, now here's some from the dude! And then played a bunch of rock tunes. <laughs> You're like, there's Jeff Bridges. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, and also, I don't think I've ever been to a Comic-Con where I haven't seen at least a dozen Walter Subjects. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is – it's put on a yeah. cargo vest and some some of those yellow hunting glasses. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and and prominent roles from the holy trinity of uh, Coen Brothers actors, that being John Goodman, John oh, yeah. Turturro, and yeah. Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. John Turturro in this movie. Jesus. Yeah. What – that's one of those, that's one of those characters, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. licking, uh, licking bowling balls. Did Jesus. Yeah. 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 It's just. Well, all the way to like Sam, Sam Elliott too, right? Like, yes. the cowboy is, as like this over the top, <laughs> like not even like real character. Yeah. He's just yeah. the narrator. Out of place and time. I want him in my life. Yes. I want to wake up. Well, looks <laughs> like it's a new day for Mark Gagliardi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sam Elliott. I'm going to have coffee now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I love the interplay between John Goodman and Steve Buscemi. It's so good. Um, the, we, this- don't, we don't roll on Shomer Shabbos. The, the <laughs> idea that he's trying to get his wife back and it's converted to Judaism, <laughs> but it's just profane. My mother, uh, to her dying day, would uh, would say shut the f the, she would say shut the f up Donnie all the time. <laughs> it was her favorite. I this, that would probably be her favorite Coen Brothers movie yeah. just for that uh, for that line. Yeah. The- <laughs> The beauty of that relationship is that it is that John Goodman, Walter Subject, is on the second lowest rung of the social ladder. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And Donnie is on the lowest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's the only person that he can just destroy mercilessly. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who yeah. knew? <laughs> we definitely have to move this one up. Yeah. Okay. So, so far yeah. we have, uh, Raising Arizona Fargo and The Big Lebowski in yeah. the finals. No surprises there so far. No. No. Now let's move to a movie that I would put in the finals, which is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I think that, uh, I think in a lot of ways it's, 
I don't know if it's their masterpiece. Maybe Fargo is their mm-hmm. masterpiece, but this is really close. It's shot beautifully. The cast is incredible. The music is unreal. It's mm-hmm. a it's a musical. And it's but George it's, Clooney being goofy. It is. Yeah, he which plays I love, goofy like, extremely well. George Clooney as this is the first time I remember seeing George Clooney not as uh handsome and dashing with an occasional quip. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is just him funny and over the, the Cohen brothersy. Yeah. Which they got from him again with uh Hail Caesar. Yeah. But this I think is such a great version of that. Does it get dinged for not being an original story but a retelling of the Odyssey? No, I don't think you can ding it for that. No, okay. think, um, the, the statute of limitations on stealing from the Odyssey lapsed thousands yeah. of years ago, right? Right. That's, yeah. I mean, I think the only thing you can really ding Oh, oh Brother, Where Art Thou for is um, being an unwatchable film. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Holy moly. Can I tell you, I knew this was coming, and I was very excited about it. Oh, that's right. It. You don't like this. Why? We were sitting in the bar the other night, and uh, and Jeffrey goes, Oh, I have, I have something to say about one of the movies that might upset Hal. And I said, Oh, please whisper it into my ear. And it was, I find out what, why, what don't you like? How awesome it is? Do you yeah, hate awesome I, stuff? Um, is that why you like the Pro Bowl? It's, that's why I love, yes. Already you can throw out any of my opinions by saying that I've watched the Pro Bowl as an adult. Um. <laughs> Um, no, I just, uh, and I, I get the enjoyment of this film. I, I totally do. And I, I think, uh, I would temper all that with saying like compared to a Coen brothers film. Okay. Right. It's sort of mm-hmm. like saying like when we're talking dessert, I always say, Oh, I hate cheesecake. I mean, cheesecake's fine. I like cheesecake. Che- There's nothing gross about it. It's just in comparison to desserts, it's at the bottom of my list. And I usually don't go for that. And I think with, Oh brother, where art thou? Uh, the first time I saw it, I, I remember just, mostly being bored thinking when is the music happening again <laughs> wow i like it when they're singing when uh, there's music and i really love the music and the music's great and i love the visuals to it i love the evil characters i love john goodman again as the as, as the, the cyclops yeah. i sort of like that they're kind of I, I like that they're dealing with like the old south and and the the cl- the clan kind of plays mm-hmm. that role of like that evil devil figure here and uh that old southern uh see the sheriff or the old politician uh, um, the, the, uh, the politician, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's running for mayor or governor. Uh, yeah. I, I just that. rewatched this movie like two weeks ago. Yeah. The cl- all the clan stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. And I, I think that's really great. I, I, um, yeah, I tried to rewatch this a couple weeks ago in preparation for this and I made it about half an hour in was like, I can't <laughs> do this. I just can't watch. And well, I think, I think I always felt like it was one of those moments where I never felt like, uh, I never felt like I bought into the premise nor to the main actors. Like mm-hmm. I just never, I love George Clooney and Totoro, uh, but I, I just never felt like I connected with them in any way. It always felt sort of like false. It kind of felt like a, uh, it just, uh, it didn't, it never really registered with me. Okay. Um, well, with the Coen Brothers movie too and the characters being the most important thing. Yeah. If you don't connect to those, yeah. then it's not going to. Well, the other issue I have with this and I won't hold it up from being, Put up to the top because I think, right. but uh, but uh, there is a question that I always ask myself in Coen Brothers movies uh, since the beginning, which is, 
where are all the black people? And, uh, yeah. and so they're, yeah. they're very white. It's just the guitar player who sold a soul. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, there's a lot of white people and a lot of dudes. Uh, mm-hmm. their, their movies tend to fixate on that. Right. Uh, most of the female characters with a few, uh, you know, notable exceptions are women who make life hard for men. Uh, or, <laughs> right. And, uh, who yeah. somehow screw it up. Uh, yeah. With inside, <laughs> inside Lowen Davis is all about the, that. And, um, <laughs> although he screws his own, he life does screw his own. No, fair. it's not that the men are like flawless and the women f- it all up. Like the women yeah. are complex and interesting, but, um, there is a thing with, uh, uh, with this movie. The way it starts out is, is that you have the whole chain gang, uh, pounding mm. rocks. Yeah. And all of them are just black. Just like Lemez. Yeah, just like Lemez. Uh, but just, but unlike Lemez, uh, all of the men on the chain gang are all black. Um, mm. and then they are, uh, you know, s- you know, singing together and cracking rocks. And then you have the three guys who are, you know, the bumbling small time crook guys of, of these three main characters. But it's like the three white dudes who are inventive <laughs> and creative yeah. enough to break free. Thank God the white people and, can and, get out of this prison. And yeah. It is, and it is this moment of like, Okay, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with suggesting the idea of like in this prison you have a large black population. Right. But then to make your movie about three the yeah. only three white dudes <laughs> the there. Like, what are the yes. And then it imme- <laughs> immediately goes into this idea of in trying to break free, they're incapable of hopping this train. Right. And so then you have one of those like I forget what they're called, those little uh, the hand crank the hand, little cart, hand, hand cranked cart. hand yeah. cart down the uh with the blind uh black gentleman who right. guides them along the way. And so there there is a little bit of playing into I think some of those like uh you know, this I think those kind of like harmful or boring tropes right the magical okay. negro the trope. magical negro right. trope well he is the of... oracle he's literally magical he's, yeah, he's literally <laughs> magical yeah i will say that's one thing i do love about this like and, and this movie in particular and in general when an old story is updated the fun for me is seeing how it's done mm-hmm. you know what i mean like john right. goodman as cyclops yeah right um like, it, like it's like that the show's uh, once upon a time on TV now, you know what I mean? Like, oh, in this one, Jiminy Cricket is a is a uh, therapist, <laughs> right. you know, like these <laughs> those sort of things, like taking these classic. And it happens whenever anyone does a Shakespeare play anywhere in the world now. It's never set in Elizabethan England <laughs> right. or wherever it is supposed to be set. Right. It's oh, we're doing Romeo and Juliet, but this time it's in Atlantis. <laughs> That's right. God, yeah, on the moon. It's twen- <laughs> it's it's twenty ninety two. And the Capulet is a spaceship. <laughs> Here's what I'd like to do. I don't want to put this up to the, to the finals because I think there are two stronger films ahead. Yeah, I was, but I don't want to eliminate it just in case. I want to have it in the back pocket. Yeah. I, but the thing is, why do we need to? We can have it in the back pocket. Mark, no we're just putting it in the back pocket. It might not even is come up again. Going to beat Raising Arizona, Fargo, or The Big Lebowski? I think yeah, so. It might be. Yeah. I think. I think they're. I my personal opinion, their best film is yet is coming up. Yeah. Ooh. Uh-oh. Is yet to come like they have not. Is the yet. winner of this episode is yeah. the Coen yeah. Brothers' next movie. Right. And I think I think for sheer cultural value and music, Oh Brother, Where Art yes. Thou has to be somewhat considered. And the music yeah. is, sure. uh, the music is, that was Blind Boys of Alabama did all the music for it? And it won a, it yeah, won and, the Grammy for, it mm-hmm. won Album of the Year. The yes. The movie soundtrack, which yes. is weird that a movie soundtrack wins that. Another fun piece of trivia about this movie, George Clooney agreed to do it without having read the script. Mm-hmm. They were at the uh they were at a table read, I think. Uh they or no, they put <laughs> they had put it on his on his hotel room table and he looked at it, he just looked at the cover and said, Great, I'm in. Yeah. Because people want to work with the Cone brothers. Yeah. Um uh, all right. 
we have uh, the next f- – let's go through the next f- – I think the next five movies, we don't have any contenders in there. I haven't seen The Man Who Wasn't uh, There. I've heard it's good. I don't think No Country for Old Men works. As I like half of the movie. I like the Josh Brolin half. And then after that, I after that I'm out of it. Well, no, I just want to, you know, is the Lady Killers? Yes, yeah. Yeah. This is the only one of their movies that Fargo won Best Picture. No, it was nominated. Fargo was nominated. Darn it, picture did not win. Should have. So you're let's just gloss past uh, Oh Brother, where whatever. No Country for Old Men. I'm sorry, I don't get it. I don't like it. We- Crash won Best Picture. You want to go defend that? Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus huh? Christ. Where's our hey, English pacing hey, rocks Matt episode? Dillon pulled, we- Matt Dillon, the racist, pulled that black lady out of a car. <laughs> <laughs> um, We skip men who wasn't there, right? Because we're just like, that's not even going to be. Close. I mean, is it? No. Here's a fun the fun fact for the man who wasn't there. Uh, the, the barber who blackmails his wife's boss and lover. Uh, and the whole plan goes horribly wrong as yeah. in many of their movies. Um, starring Billy Bob Thornton, uh, and others. The movie was filmed in color, and I really would love to find this. Uh-huh. They released one by accident, uh, where the first reel of the movie, which, come on, we're still using reels? Was this back that, when they were, Yeah, the first digital movie was, yeah. that's right. Uh, Intolerable Cruelty. I wonder if that's why. Uh, because, uh, originally they accidentally released with the first reel in color, which is <laughs> uh-huh. fantastic. I'd love to be in a movie theater and see this movie in color and know that, oh, man, 20 years from now, I'm going to get a bootleg of this and it's going to be worth so much money. <laughs> or go complain. Yeah. Hey, my movie turned to black and white halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get another ticket? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had a recent experience with a yelling audience. I went to go see Disney's Newsies, the musical, uh, as put on by Fathom in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, hell hath no fury. Like when a Newsies screening starts, the video quality is not, or the video is not showing, but the audio is. And a room full of musical theater nerds dances uh, Jets and Sharks style up to the front of a movie theater <laughs> to demand <laughs> demand satisfaction. Oh, the um, five of you must have been so upset. Oh, God, we were. Um, yeah, I think you can skip Man Who Wasn't There. Um, An Intolerable Cruelty, I think, gets into a conversation about worst Coen Brothers film. It's pretty and terrible. Yeah, and yeah. it wins. But it's not them. It's, <laughs> not, yeah. it's not their fault. They weren't the creators of No, they, they came were, in at the end. They and, came in to fix it. Yeah, and, they came in, yeah. And, right. You know, so it makes me wonder, boy, how bad was that before? Yes, uh, and this this marks them beginning to direct together, because yeah. Joel, Joel and Ethan used to write, and Joel would direct. Yeah. Uh, so maybe this was them figuring that out. Then the Lady Killers, another uh, remake for worst, uh, mm-hmm. for worst Coen Brothers film. I think it's but, okay. It's yeah. not their best. Yeah. It's just fun to watch Tom Hanks, yeah, be a character, be a Coen Brothers because he's great because he yeah. jumps right. He's Tom yeah. Hanks. He jumps right into yeah. it. Um, Paris Jatem, That's just a segment. That's not a whole film. It's no, not going to hold. We can skip that. I think, mm-hmm. but uh, we do love Paris. Yeah, of course. Jatem, Paris. This particular movie, you. no Jatem. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, <laughs> That's how you say I don't love you. No, All right, no, you don't. let's yeah. let's talk about No Country for Old Men. Well, we already started. Why do you? Did. Why are you crapping on it? I Hal? do not care. I love the first half of it. I was completely drawn in, mm-hmm. and then it shifts so hard mm-hmm. into into another film that's all about Tommy Lee Jones. Like the other movies, Barton Fink, you can go back and track it. Hail Caesar, you can you can track it as it's actually about Josh Brolin, and mm-hmm. it makes sense. The entire film is about him. In one way or another, mm-hmm. this movie is half and half. Yeah, it's really not yeah. about anything. But Law and it's... Order is awesome. <laughs> what? 
Kung Kung, are you ready for Brolin? Kung Kung, are you ready for Jones? Uh, I, I hate the ending. I hate it so much. The monologue? The senseless monologue. I love the ending of that movie. <laughs> Why? Because it's that, that, and maybe if I hadn't heard this, uh, this description of it, I wouldn't love the ending so much. Mm-hmm. But the, as it was, as I, I, I read and loved, the movie is about Tommy Lee Jones's character. At that point, the story, it's Tommy Lee Jones's character's story. And the moment that character is not on the case anymore, the movie is over. You know, now that you frame it that way, it, it just piecing it all together, he's a man mm-hmm. and he's old. Yeah. yeah. And he Almost. doesn't feel like this country yeah. is for him. Right. Or others like him. Oh, boy, that is a brilliant monologue. I feel like yeah. he could have just said, this is no country for old men. Yeah. And we could have just snapped off an extra 10 minutes <laughs> so, from the end. You could have snapped off the whole thing. Because <laughs> essentially, if that's the point, the entire movie was a drum roll <laughs> that led yeah. up to that monologue. But, yeah, I would like it if the movie was Tommy Lee Jones walking out to a crime scene going, well, this is no country for old men. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> I would have liked that better, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, though, I... <laughs> This this is one of my all time favorite characters. Is you mentioned earlier the biker and the what was it? What was it? Neutral chaos. You called it. Yeah. Some yeah. Chaotic neutral. Chaotic neutral. Chaotic yeah. neutral. Uh, I don't. This sounds like a literary term. I do not know that. Dungeons and Dungeons. Dragons. Oh, well, all right. All right. I don't know that much either. Um, Maybe you should read that Holy Bible over there to learn a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's right. About, where's the, if there's a Dungeons and Dragons section of the Holy Bible, <laughs> oh, it's the is. middle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, that character, uh, is, my fa- is maybe my favorite Coen Brothers character, just because it is such an odd assortment of details. Who, Anton yes. Sugar? Yeah. It's, yeah. um, alright, we gotta make a bad guy. Great. Uh, what's his weapon gonna be? Well, I saw this thing once in a video about slaughterhouses. Okay, what's his haircut going to be? Well, I went to Buster Brown once when I was a kid. Like, it's just bananas. Yeah, he's great in it. It's bananas. Um, I had read this thing where, uh, where, uh, Javier Bardem had talked about, like, doing the table read of this movie and reading the script and talking to the Coens and being like, I, this is great. What, what a great character. I don't, uh, I have some questions about what I'm doing and about like how, what this approach is. Like there's something about the dialogue that seems a little weird for like the, this cold blooded of a killer. And Joel was like, you'll get it. It'll be fine. Yeah. You'll figure it out. He's like, okay. Well, I, I might have some questions. He's like, I don't know. You'll figure it out. Once you get in wardrobe, you'll figure it out. And he got in the wardrobe and they gave him that haircut and he goes, I understand now. Oh. <laughs> oh. Ooh, yeah. That haircut. Yeah. Um, yeah, I uh I love I love that character too. Uh, Anton Chigurh is one of my favorite uh is one of my favorite uh, of any of their characters mm-hmm. and I think Javier Bardem is so good in that. Uh this is a movie that has a device in it that is one of my least favorite devices in American cinema which is the guy who finds a thing of money mm-hmm. and then has to deal with the consequences. Right. Like A Simple Plan is a really great movie that Bill mm-hmm. Paxton, I think that's Bill Paxton, right? Yeah. And also uh What's the Ewan McGregor uh, movie um, from uh, Train Spotting? Well, it was the one before Train Spotting. The Phantom Menace. No, it was uh, it was another one where the the kids uh, all, these, Rouge. all these guys find a big thing of money. And, oh, like, Down with Love. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. Down with Love. Mm-hmm. Um, Shakespeare and Love, and yeah. uh, where Shakespeare finds a big thing of money. Um, and Money Love that, helps him hide that it. Device is that, perfect for a Cone Brothers movie because it it's sl- their slice of life movies, and then 
some circumstance just happens yes. that turns everything on its head. Why yeah. are we still talking about No Country for Old Men, for goodness sakes? I think I think this movie gets a discussion because it won Best Picture. Yeah. But I do I do think it is I I've I'm fine with the movie. I think it's okay. I think yeah. it's really, really well done. I like the monologue at the end. I like all of the components. I like that it kind of changes tone throughout. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it it is a movie that I feel like is predicated entirely on having this really amazing character. Right. Um, but I don't necessarily feel like that monologue landed in any place for me that I'm like, oh, this is profound and heartbreaking and moving. I just yeah, think, yeah. oh, well, of course it's not. You're old. That's just what happens when you get old. You just feel irrelevant and life is harder for you. And I just, I don't know. I feel like that's a boring take that life is right. harder when you mm-hmm. get older. Things used to be better. Now they're not as good. And I'm but, like, boring. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. We're making America great again. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> all right. Can we, let's move off of this for now. Let's keep it tabled i just want to i want to just say one more moment oh my god one more moment in the movie that (laughs) i we're an hour four of no country for old men the podcast that car wreck (laughs) oh god yes the The car car wreck is a great moment in that movie of like holy crap this movie well and the car wreck actually that is really great because that relates to the next two movies too which is the really abrupt conclusion to a Mm -hmm. film like that happens if i remember correctly before the monologue by the way that was seamless but um, pulling us off of no country for old yeah good job no that that idea of like we talked earlier about like they're they're like soft landings Mm -hmm. they're like they don't really do the landing very well and i feel like they may have taken that note, and with Burn After Reading and The Serious Man, both those movies just – those two movies just end. And mm-hmm. you're like, well, that was what just what, happened. What, what? Holy yeah. shit, we're doing credits already. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, in both of them, I thought it served the movie really well. I really mm-hmm. liked how it did that in both movies. Yeah, Burn After Reading is, f- is fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not fun. a finalist. It's, it's no, just yeah. not a finalist. A Serious Man I haven't seen. And we're, we're at almost an hour already. Yeah. All right. Um, you want to talk about No Country for Old Men more, Mark? <laughs> you want to go back and do another half hour on it? No, no, no. no. Let's just eliminate the one so, best picture winner from our which yeah. of these guys' movies is the best. Great. Can, Agreed. Moving on. Can I um, – and I'll try and keep this quick. <laughs> yes. Uh, I just want to make an argument for a serious man, and we're ha- I'm happy to throw mm-hmm. this out if we haven't all seen it I think here. it's a TV movie also. It's kind of weird. If it, was it? It was on HBO. HBO. Well, it's oh. not It's not TV. It's HBO. It's HBO. It's HBO. Yeah. Honey Bunches of Oaks. So they, they made that for HBO, and then it went to the theaters? Is that how that worked? I don't think it ever went to the theaters. I saw it in the theaters, I thought. Oh, was it through Fathom Events? It might have. <laughs> were they showing, Were they showing yeah. newsies? Yeah. Did the video work in the beginning? <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, this is the one where, uh, yeah, this is the one about the guy at the opera house and his face is, he's got a half oh, a mask yeah. on. Yeah. Fathom of the Opera. <laughs> yeah, Fathom of the Opera. Um, Michael okay, Stuhlbarg so is among my all-time favorite actors. Listen, if you haven't seen this movie, when we get back on stable internet, go to HBO and watch this movie. Okay. And I think it's so good. It is kind of in the line of the problem movies like Barton Fink, like the, the, the heavy, heavy imagery. It's just, it's essentially the story of Job. Like everything right. goes wrong for this guy. But the, some of the imagery they use in it is so truly horrifying in a very, abstract way not in a horror sense but in a david lynch sense like there's a Mm -hmm. there's a there's this kid in class that the the main character's son owes 20 bucks to because he bought marijuana off of him right and the whole premise with the kid is is that he can't get the money to him because he hid it in a transistor radio that the teacher took up for him because he was digging around with it in class (laughs) so he's trying to get this radio back so he can pay this big kid this money back and it's kind of like sets up this bully thing but the kid sits in front of him in class and every time the kid turns around to michael stuhlbarg's son you never see his full face. 
And there's this moment where all the time he's just this big kid and you always, as he turns around, the camera never lets you see his face. And there's a lot of like little... Is it little Wilson wow. from, uh, it's Wilson from Home Improvement? Maybe yeah. so. Yeah. Or, or what's his name? <laughs> uh, yeah. From Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Right. To pull Kubiak. back early. Kubiak. Yeah, Kubiak, yeah. yeah. It's kind of got that element, but it does so in, I think, a really ominous, like really upsetting sort of way. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, Serious, uh, Serious Man, I think, is really great, but we can move on from that. Yeah. Uh, now here's one that I think deserves... Uh, a spot in the finals. Their version of True Grit. Didn't yeah. win Best Picture. It is a... Uh, <laughs> Didn't win any of the Oscars it was nominated for, and it was nominated for... Crash, crime. Crash, Crash, English Patient, Crash, crash. English Patient, English Patient, Crash, love. Rain Man, Crash, oh. English Patient, Crash. You didn't yeah. like uh, the Rain Man? I one? do like Rain Man, but come on. Chariots of Fire. It was the 80s. Chariots <laughs> of Fire. Yeah, no, just because it wins Best Picture, we know it's not that great a movie. Come on. Uh, Take that, Moonlight. Take that, Forrest Gump. (laughs) I think True Grit would be a beautiful movie if you had zero sound and zero music in it, and all you did was watch it. It is shot. It is like it's a western. Those are easy to shoot beautifully. They're also easy to mess up and not shoot. This is like what Hateful Eight was supposed to be in terms Mm -hmm. of like this should be in whatever nine hundred millimeter print yeah beautiful like a 70 millimeter print yeah that one you you could take almost any frame of this film and turn it into a piece of art yeah um also Billy steinfeld is amazing in this movie. it is really really amazing yeah Um, jeff bridges is amazing matt damon is incredible uh Mm -hmm. the relationship between uh uh between Haley steinfeld and jeff bridges is is really wonderful the chemistry that they Mm -hmm. have yes uh is is super good and also she's also one of the few like female protagonists in any of their films yeah. and i finally find they finally, started yeah. to yeah and maybe the only one that's not played by Frances mcdormand now that i'm saying that out loud <laughs> yes um and she's terrific the the fun yeah you're right how about the about the beauty of this film she uh that fine the the shot when he's uh, got her on horseback trying to get her to town to get her treated mm-hmm. for the snake bite. Yes. Is, um, you know, the, the undershot of, of them on the horse and the horse dying and mm-hmm. then spoiler and then also the, the, the beautiful night sky yeah. and in all of this, like as she's losing her life, uh, mm-hmm. and the, and the horse loses its life. Like all of that is, is sadness and beauty, uh, all at the same time. It's, it's, uh, an urgency, like tension. I, I just think it's a, such a wonderful scene. Yeah, and it is the start of uh, Jeff Bridges tying rubber bands around his tongue and putting yeah. things in his mouth to sound weird. <laughs> so he tied a rubber band, a rubber band around his tongue for this movie. Yeah, what was it he did for it? The one this year, he I, did something. It seems like he had something. Uh, he always had chaw in his mouth. It seemed, it yeah, seemed sort of like that. But the 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 language also in this film. The way in which they speak mm-hmm. is so great. Like they all have this sort of finery to their or floweriness to their language. And there are no contractions in it. Even the, the, the stupidest, uh, and lowest class of people speak flawless English. Yeah. It's, it's a mesmerizing different world that they create. But yet, that a has world that everything like, in it. It looks like what you are so used to. Here's a Western. Here are a few characters. And here's a revenge plot. And well, yeah. I mean, it's an existing film. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, Rooster. Rooster Cogburn was, uh, John Wayne. John Wayne mm-hmm. originally. Does it get dinged for being a remake? I don't think it does because it's superior to the original, in my yeah. opinion. Like, yeah. uh, like that made Shopper a- Shot Psycho remake was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Here's an American classic. Let's try and do it shot for shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this one has different language, though. And yeah. it's, I, I mean, yeah. I, I just think it's, 
I think it's an incredible film. I can wa- anytime it's on, I'll sit and watch it. I think it's an absolutely amazing movie. Yeah. Uh, so in for into the finals. Yeah. All right. Along with just No Country for Old Men, right? No. Nope. Two of them. <laughs> uh, all right. We have two more to get through, and then we will we will run through our finalists. Uh, uh, 2013's Lou, Inside Lewin Davis. You want to say that whole sentence again? <laughs> no. We're just going to keep it in. This is real life. Sometimes people make mistakes. You've got a towel um, monkey hanging behind you. I do. Uh, by the room. way, that is not an epithet for any culture. No. That is, uh, it is literally, an actual monkey made out of uh-huh. towel. That they have created. It looks like it's being tortured. So I'm going to leave it hanging (laughs) in my room. (laughs) Yes, it's Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon. Uh, Everybody go online if you don't know what in the world we are talking about and look up how to make a monkey out of a towel. Yes. Yep. And uh, you you will see a a real work of art. Yeah, it's incredible. (laughs) Um, I think Inside Lumen Day, I watched it for the purposes of recording this podcast a couple of days ago, Uh and I loved it. I love this movie. The, mu- yeah. the music is great. Uh-huh. Oscar Isaac is great. And it is the perfect example of a slice of life yeah. Coen Brothers film because it's not about what – it's not about like him getting a big recording contract no. or him blowing everything. It's just sort of the – it's the life cycle of an artist mm-hmm. and week it, to week and day to day. This movie was the one that made me go, who is this guy? Like, oh, what oh, a yeah. what a burst out debut for, i don't know if it was his debut i mean i'm sure he had no yeah. parts in other for things. oscar isaac yeah yeah um, this is his first starring role, this was though, the right? first oscar isaac thing that i was like who is this guy this guy is amazing yes and then he pops up in star wars and i was like yeah. yes i'm 100 percent on board <laughs> yep. when they were like oh the star of the new or the star of the new star wars movie is going to be oscar <laughs> isaac i was like i'm done let's do it i'm in yeah this movie's terrific. The cat is terrific. I love cats. And also I love this cat and I love what the cat, the presence of the cat and the misdirection of the cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those yes. scenes are, are really wonderful. It also deals with like loss and tragedy of his dead singing partner and the moment when he's asked by his kind of like a, what are those? Uh, the rich, the rich couple. Patron, that, yeah. The patrons of, yeah. like asked to sing and she starts like singing his dead singing partner's mm-hmm. harmony. Yeah. And he loses his mind. Like scenes like that are, are really. Yeah, it's, it's really tremendous. Again, kind of another, it's kind of another movie where you have like, not a lot of women in this movie and the ones nope. that are there are like, hey, can you pay for my abortion? Yes. <laughs> yeah. They're all sort of props. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, he's almost, or the Cone Brothers, it, it, looking at this list now, it just dawned on me. This is in the 1960s in Greenwich Village. Yeah. Uh, yes. Hudsucker Proxy's in the 50s. Oh, Brother Where Art Thou's in the, th- is, is he going August Wilson? And, oh, they yeah. Going, you yeah. know, they're going, they're going, uh, you know, one for each decade. I like the That's August possible. Wilson person. What if there were an August Wilson, but for white people? <laughs> Finally, white people get their own August Wilson. Um, it's almost, it could be the 50s. At the very end of the film, spoiler alert, uh-huh. uh, Bob Dylan is on stage. Yeah, I think singing. it's 1961. So there you go. 61. Okay. There you go. So it's right before. Village, 1961, which I'm also a big sucker for movies that are of a time and place that I think was probably really cool. Yes. Right. Yes. You know really I mean? interesting. Like, oh, I would love to see Greenwich Village in the 60s. Yeah. There was a lot of amazing people and stuff there. That- yeah. And yeah. again, John Goodman turns in a fantastic performance as the junkie jazz musician. Yes, yes, that whole <laughs> sequence where it's another everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong because doesn't hit, the other guy gets arrested, right, for being drunk or high? Yes, and then he gets arrested for talking back to the police. officer. He gets arrested really. for talking back to the police officer. John Goodman ODs, right? Yeah, but and doesn't die. He's just doesn't asleep. Die. He just ODs or yeah. Yeah, passes out, and then and then uh, <laughs> Davis doesn't have. 
he can't get he doesn't have the keys to the car right yes so and he has to walk so he has to walk and hitchhike yeah and then later he runs over the cat or what he thinks is the cat right doesn't he hit uh, no he almost hits uh almost hits. He, he swerves out of the road when he's driving uh the the guy who picks him up is like i need to sleep you can just drive the whole way <laughs> that's right that'd be fine and he has to like <laughs> stop short uh and it <laughs> the guy slams into the dashboard but doesn't doesn't wake up <laughs> I mean, it's got those great little yeah. Cone Brothers moments, <laughs> but it also, it's just, it's such a great slice of life. Yeah. None of those things in his, in that happened to him in the, in the film, as crazy as they may be, changes who he is or the choices that he makes. Yeah. And that's a really interesting, uh, theme to explore what it means to be trapped by your own choices. Well, and also isn't the resolution of this movie. That like because they set it up at the beginning and they come back that he had been thrown out of this club. Right. And the resolution mm-hmm. of the movie is is that he's thrown out of the club, um, because he was heckling the night before. Yes. And then he just gets his ass kicked in the alley by the person, the husband or the boyfriend of the person he heckled. Husband. It's yeah. really the husband. And it's the husband's story. It's the yeah. Really. And ultimately, it's just like you got your ass kicked because the only thing you felt powerful enough to do was to heckle somebody yep. at a. At a, at a bar who was right. playing music. But it's a it. great lead up. Like what, what was everything, what was everything he does that leads him to that moment? That moment and, and do you think nothing. it's going to change him? No. no. No, of course it won't. Yeah. This is what, this, the ne- inside Llewellyn Davis, uh, two could just be next week. Yeah. This was nominated for best picture, right? I do I not think, know. I think if it wasn't, it should have been. I think this was in the era of nine movies or t- up to yeah. ten movies being nominated. So if it was, it had to have been, right? Yeah. It was yeah. a good, really good movie. Uh, the, uh, a great tidbit from, uh, from the Kate McManus file. Yes. This, uh, for this movie was the, uh, the way that Oscar Isaac was, um, told to build, build this character by T-Bone Burnett was he put, uh, he put Oscar Isaac in a room. Turned on a Tom Waits record and left the room for an hour, <laughs> which is a fantastic way. Like, hey, uh, Oscar, uh, just focus on this. Right. Yeah. And T-Bone Burnett produced uh, the music for right. uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou oh, as okay. well. So he's he's a good music guy yeah, for he's, them. He's, fa- he's a good music guy in general. He's also cra- uh, Crazy Heart. Yeah. It was him. Which uh, maybe he wasn't Oh is... Brother, Where Art Thou. Who knows? Yeah. I'm going to give him credit for it anyway. <laughs> His thing like fits so perfectly with them, with the Coen Brothers style, because he can't be really pigeonholed into anything. You, but you, he can't be. You don't listen to T Bone Burnett and hear anything but T Bone Burnett. Yes, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and you hear his influence in other music, but you, and you hear his influences, but you can't be like, oh, he's a this performer. He's a Zydeco guy, or yes. he's a a, a a bar piano man. Yeah, right. Uh. Okay, Hail Caesar. I don't think is a finalist. We no, talked about it. No. It's it has, really, it's good. really fun, and it has and it has a sailor dancing musical yes. number starring mm-hmm. the charming potato himself. <laughs> yes, and uh, as my fr- my friend Jen uh, Jen Levitt, who's on this cruise. Yes, uh, my friend Jen and I were talking about this movie the other day, and she reminded me. Do you remember the name of the musical that they're doing in that movie? No, no. the dancing sailor. <laughs> the dancing sailor musical is called No Dames. <laughs> 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 oh 
goodness. so I feel like if La La Land is such a big success, I feel like we need to bring back the American movie musical, and it needs to be Channing Tatum in a sailor dancing musical. Yeah. Yes. I would love to have a, a Gene Kelly return. It would be so good. Yes. Uh, on the West, I I could if this if that movie had just been ninety minutes of Ray Fiennes director. Directing the cowboy star who's being moved into a high class picture because they want to get more out of him. Yeah, yeah. I would have been fine with that. Uh huh. Or did it were that sample? Um, okay. So we need one last finalist. It's, and it is between Inside Lewin Davis and No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men is a finalist. Did we, did no, it was tabled. We did not make it a finalist. It's a finalist. You think it's a finalist over, over Inside Lewin Davis? Yes. I mean, if you're asking me which movie I like better, and if this were a decision of like, what is the best Coen Brothers movie that you just love the most? That, I would do like a Serious Man, but that's not, that's not, not going what this any, show that's is. not what this is. This no. is objectively. And I, I, and I think you will have more, I think, I think if we're talking about best Coen Brothers movie, I like Inside Lewin Davis so much better than No Country for Old Men, but I do think No Country for Old Men has to go up there because it did win best picture for them. Okay. It is widely talked about as one of their best uh, one of their best movies that people will go back to. I'm not a huge Cormac McCarthy fan. Not a huge, you know, just the movie. Mm, I'm right. not connected to it in a strong way, but I think it has to go there. Well, there you go. We have our five finalists. We're going to take a quick break to hear about some of the other podcasts on the Max Fun Network. And when we come back, we will determine once and for all the best Coen Brothers film. Yeah. Hang around. What's the deal with Brexit? Have you seen Happy Valley yet? How do British people pronounce Edinburgh, Leicester, or Norwich? Not like that. Are you tired of getting your world news from reliable sources, often with no puns or sexual innuendo? Why was there a butcher's hat haunting Coronation Street? What's Coronation Street, and why is Dave Holmes obsessed with it? International Waters pairs a team of comedians in L.A. against a team of comedians in London in a pop culture battle royale. Join us once a fortnight to hear the best comedians in the world trade jokes and stories and maybe even learn something at the same time. International Waters with me, Dave Holmes. Find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. I'm Allegra Ringo. And I'm Renee Colbert. And we host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog? Renee, can I tell you about a dog I met this week? Uh, I wish that you would. In turn, though, can I tell you about a dog hero? May I tell you about a dog breed in a segment I like to call Mutt Minute? <laughs> I would love that. Could we maybe talk about some dog tech? Could we have some cool guests on, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Nicole Byer, and Ann Wheaton? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. You're on board. What do you say we uh, we do all of this and put it into a podcast? Yeah, okay. You think? Perfect. Uh, should we call it like I don't know? Can I pet your dog? Sure. All right. Uh, what do you What do you say we put it on every Tuesday on Maximum Fun or on iTunes? Sounds, Sounds good to me. <laughs> Meeting's over. And we're back, and we have our five finalists. Just to remind you, they are 1987's Raising Arizona, 1996's Fargo. 1998's The Big Lebowski, 2007's No Country for Old Men, and 2010's True Grit. We're going to eliminate these one at a time. We're going to go around in a circle. We will start, of course, with our guest, Mr. Jeffrey Craner. You get to start. So we're you're going to eliminate, eliminate one. Well, I'm going to start off that list. I'm going to take No Country for Old Men right off. Good there. job. Good <laughs> job. Enough said there. So Hal didn't get to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that means Inside Lewin Davis was never eliminated from the finals where it belonged. Mark? Um, I am going to, from this, so it's Raising Arizona, Fargo, Big Lebowski, and, and True, True Grit. Grit. Hmm, that's tough. 
Uh, I am going to have to eliminate True Grit from the list. Wow. I love True Grit. It's wonderful. Um, if Coen Brothers is an adjective, though, I think there are movies on this list that are more Coen Brothers. That's I think fair. that's a good way of putting it. Really good way to put it. Um, I'm going to eliminate The Big Lebowski, which I think mm-hmm. is very Coen's brother. Every dude in his late 30s yep. Here, Here's why. America. Here's why. I think the other two films that remain, Raising Arizona, which sort of set the the standard that Big Lebowski lived up to in terms of wacky characters in a comedy. Uh, and I know that's extremely broad, but it's it's just kind of hard to have them both in there. And I, there's no way I would I would eliminate Fargo. Just it's right. such a great film, such great characters. It's a good time to talk about it. Frances McDormand we did, I mean, we wins did an Oscar pass, for her we performance. By it. We did say knowing we, we would talk, talk about, about it. About it. Well, I said we talk about it later. Yeah, right. and we're talking about it now. Yeah. Uh, Steve Buscemi and Peter Stormare, yes, as the two criminals are fantastic where they go and they meet with the hooker. Like just yeah. everything about this film is so great. William H. Macy mm-hmm. as the guy who's in over his head. And one of the scary, like uh, most unsettling scenes in the movie is the one that I think people point to as the most confounding or confusing scene in the movie is when she drives to, and I think it's actually the one of the few times she goes to Fargo, right? Cause it all takes, right. mostly takes place in Brainerd. Brainerd, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may be getting the where she is, but when she sits down and she meets with that old friend from high school, right? And uh, he has that moment of like, "Do you mind if I come sit next to you?" No, no. Why don't you stay right over there where you are? And yes. There's a, there's a weird desperation, a lack of connection that he has in his life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's one of the few times you see uh, Marge look unsettled. It looks. It's one of the few times she's having t- to negotiate her own physical space and her own protection in this world of like these terrible killers, yeah, uh, and these violent deaths and the, all of the even when she re, uh, checks into that opening scene of the of the people murdered by the side of the road uh, she's just very like oh it looks yep. like a defensive wound nah, mm-hmm. right and uh <laughs> and that, she, just gonna huh? just gonna barf <laughs> just gonna barf and uh, Mc- i'm sorry yeah no but that that scene is is it, it falls in with like it takes that element out of things like barton fink and things like a serious man of like here's a scene that should truly unsettle you and you should not know why it's here mm-hmm. right it's she's so good in that movie in the calm moments like the calm moments of quiet yeah uh her ultra realistic reactions to quiet things and being unsettled by this thing that isn't a murder or a big heist it's just a guy she doesn't want hitting on her hitting on her yeah yeah it's a simple thing and those her quiet is looks so beautiful compared to and amps up the insane like the wood chipper scene and yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just a wonderful movie yeah yeah and that is why the uh the big lebowski has been eliminated so jeffrey it falls to you uh and we're Far- down to uh raising arizona and uh and fargo and fargo um, so you I- will determine ultimately oh that's so that's the, so exciting the, the yeah. greatest cone brothers movie of all time God, i love power and you guys will be the ones who get all the tweets and emails yeah <laughs> yeah you're the first person who's gotten this <laughs> gotten to this point nathan, nathan fillion didn't want it weird al didn't want it you're taking it yeah. head on you re- you recognize the power you possess um, i love power <laughs> such a great answer. to me this is it, it to me, this is an easy decision, not because I don't like the movie I'm about to eliminate. I love it, and I think it is the second best Coen Brothers movie of all time, which is Raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. I think, I think for me, Fargo is th- the best 
Coen Brothers movie, it is one of the best movies made in American history. Like if we're mm-hmm. going, it has to be in a top 100, even a top 50 list. I don't know where they, uh, if I put it, but, uh, it, it is a wonderful film and it also has all of the bells and whistles of a Coen Brothers movie at the same yeah. time. It is, uh, serious and it is funny and I think it is very moving. It is, uh, it also has a female protagonist, which is very rare for their films. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it is Frances McDormand, which is, is Frances, not very rare for their films. Which is not super rare for their films. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I, I think I think this movie is solid all the way around. And uh, I think it is uh, the movie we go to uh, when, when when somebody says Coen Brothers. Like that's that poster, that, that needlepoint poster is the first thing that pops into my head. Yeah. Well, all right. There you go. People Ow. of the world. This is a long episode, so I'm just going to tell you. The best Coen Brothers film was Fargo. You probably knew that going into this. As much as you held on to your Raising Arizonas or your Oh Brother Where Art Thou's or your No Country for Old Men. Shut up, hell. Or whatever other movies. How dare you? I'm not going to let that slide. I will not shut up. I will not be silenced. Just like Marge Gunderson will not be silenced. She solves crimes across the frozen tundras of America. There you go. Asked and answered. It's Fargo. Jeffrey, thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks, Hal. Thanks, Mark. This This, was great. This was so much fun. Yeah. Look at the beautiful ocean out our window. It's so lovely. Uh, Tell everybody where they can find all of the podcasts that you do and and whatever else you want to promote. You can go check out uh, Night Vale Presents. Uh, We have a lot of new podcasts in our little tiny network. We have Welcome to Night Vale, of course. Uh, The second season of Alice Isn't Dead comes out in April. And uh, we also have another season of Within the Wires starting this fall. Uh, As well as uh, we started uh, Orbiting Human Circus with Julian Coster of The Music Tapes and Neutral Milk Hotel this past fall. And uh, we have a couple more shows coming out. this fall uh, that we'll announce pretty soon. And when this comes out, this will be early April. Uh, Night Vale will be on tour. It'll be on a like an throughout Eastern America Midwest tour. Yeah. And you're and you're on your way to your this summer. This June is five years. Yeah, June will be our five year anniversary. Congratulations! Doing Night Vale. Night Vale. <laughs> That's the new Coen Brothers film. <laughs> <Yeah>. Night Vale. <laughs> the whale comes at night. Played, Welcome to Night Vale. <laughs> played by Steve Buscemi. <laughs> The voice of the whale comes at night. He wears sunglasses. He's a cool whale. Cool, cool whale. Well, this is Jeffrey's topic, and it has been settled. But there's so many more topics out there that you have, and we want to hear from you. So you can email us at wegotthispodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash wegotthispodcast. Or reach out to us on Twitter at wegotthistweets, or... You can check out the Maximum Fun subreddit. There's probably a flame war happening right now. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, to our researcher Kate McManus, who put together a great document that we used heavily during thanks, this Kate. episode. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Ken. Uh, thanks, Ken. Thanks, Uri Kelman, our graphic designer. Thanks, Uri. And thanks to Jen Alba, who does our QA. And thank you, as always. No thanks to, to Jen from Jeffrey. Oh, I'm sorry. Th- thanks, Jen. I'm sorry. Wow. I for a second. There we go. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. yeah. You thanked everyone but Jen Oliver. I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead, Mark. Bad blood. Yeah. Ooh, man. I don't Squash know the beef, guys. man. Squash <laughs> the beef. The famous you know Wendy's slogan. <laughs> <from> the- <laughs> uh, sitting behind the steering wheel. Squash the beef. <laughs> um, thank you, of course, to Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman, our musicians for our score and theme song, respectively. And of course, thanks to you, our listeners. Um, we would not be on this boat if you weren't listening to our show. So we thank you for that. And we hope that we can provide you with many more, uh, uh, episodes about many more, uh, sibling 
motion picture creator pairs. Uh, we'll do the Wachowskis at some point, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Uh, best Garfield movie. Sure. Yeah. Best Garfield movie. Mm-hmm. A Tale of Two Kitties. <laughs> of course. Uh, that one's obvious. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, for Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Agliardi. And for Mark Agliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.